Well, sorry to break up your conversations. Um, but let's make a start. And uh, you can carry on all those good conversations about whatever else is going on in life and what have you. Afterwards, over coffee, uh, you're all very welcome at the close of this service to join us in the cafes behind us. Uh, or go and watch your kids or go and take part in whatever festive Olympic races there are. All right, Harry? Good lad. Your exam's finished? Good lad. Isn't that great? Kids, your exams are over. No? One to go? Two to go? Any more to go? No more? Good. Wonderful. Such a relief when that kind of thing has come to an end. And I, I wanted just to take some time, a brief time this morning. I won't be long, promise. Um, just kind of as we sort of come into land. This is a funny sort of time of the year. The end of June is coming. And for those of you, you're involved in school or anything like that or university, whatever. This is always like a coming to an end sort of period. And I appreciate that for many of you that doesn't affect you in the slightest. And life next week and the week after will be exactly the same. And work will be as normal and what have you as well. Uh, but I wanted just to take some time uh, just to kind of clarify and talk about a few things. Uh, summer is coming. <laughs> and... Um, it's a time to rest, and, and regardless of whether that does affect you or not, I really want to talk about this, the concept of rest, and the importance of rest, and the importance of taking time out of our normal, out of our everyday working lives, and to kind of just put some principles uh, into practice, which I think are going to really benefit us, um, which were modeled throughout the scriptures, and which were uh, told to us, and we're going to highlight a few things there this morning. So um, why don't we pray? I don't normally do that, but I just felt like I should, so it's always good to do that in church. So um, let's just still, again, just our own hearts and minds, and just take a moment. That was the sermon. Really? It's not really. But that, what we just did there, that's the sermon, in a nutshell. But I don't want you to feel shortchanged. It's 
so here we go. Um, my former life as a jumping teacher, um, I, I, I taught GCSE PE, and um, one, of the, one of the modules or the class or whatever, one of the lessons which we had to teach was, was the whole area of uh, why there was an increase in leisure time and how over the last number of uh, decades there's been an increase in the leisure industry and recreation and all that sort of stuff. And some of the reasons for that in the textbook which you'd write in an exam would be along the lines of uh, the reason we have more time in our life to do those kind of things uh, is because of an increase in technology. That was one reason. You wrote that well, two marks. Another reason is a reduction in uh, the average working week was another one. And then another reason was the increase in labor-saving devices, which would include things like washing machines and things like that. And that's what's given rise to an increase in kind of the leisure uh, time. So basically, it kind of portrays this picture that today we have got more time to ourselves than ever before Sit back, relax, go and do whatever you please with your time. And like, oh, just work. Oh, that's just a part of my day. And the rest of it, I'm drinking cocktails and um, just hanging out with my friends. Isn't that true? No. Absolutely not. In fact, today's day that we live in possibly is more stressful than ever before. And our modern-day society has created uh, a culture that actually is incredibly stressful. I know that many of you will work in jobs where it just seems like year on year, more and more is asked of you. More and more forms to fill in, paperwork to do. And it doesn't necessarily add to your job and make your job or your effectiveness in your job any better. It just covers your back. And that's just one part of our modern life. The increasing technology, yes, isn't it brilliant? Yes, we've got phones, yes, we've got tablets, all that stuff. And you would think that those things, whilst in many ways they're absolutely brilliant, would actually free up our lives and make us, make life even easier. I actually think it just produces more and more and more. And it becomes an increasing uh, distraction for our lives. According to Ofcom, um, we spend on average eight hours and 41 minutes per day on media devices. Includes TV, includes what's in our phone, or in our hands, a lot of the time. 20 hours per week we engage online. And in amongst uh, age 16 to 24 year olds, that go, goes up to 27 and a half hours per week spend on phones, tablets, laptops, handy devices, and TV, eating into our time. They have a knock-on effect regarding being contactable. Never before have we become more available to anyone and everyone. We can get hold of people, not just through the old dog and bone, when you lifted it up and you remembered each other's numbers and you did the twirly thing, and some of you young people are thinking, what is he doing? Mobile phone, text messaging, all that other stuff. We can be contacted a lot of the time. Um, whilst we're on that point, I want to make a very gentle point. 
and, and, and it's this, and it's on behalf of my wife. This might come across quite strongly, and I really don't mean it to. But there are ways in order to get hold of us, and I'm just sort of saying this to safeguard us, but also I'm doing it to demonstrate this is a really good way and a really effective way of safeguarding yourselves when it comes to being contactable. We have no qualms about being contactable. Please, please, if ever there's something that's church-related or something that's going on in your life or in the life of someone else and you think it's really important that we need to know, please contact us. But please do that through the appropriate way of an email is the best way to get hold of us. Or come speak to us. We're available every single week to come talk to us. So on that, please, please don't use Facebook, especially Facebook Messenger, which I know anyone can come on and just and, and private message um, Chantel. You can't get me because I'm not on it. But, uh, but please don't do that. And if you have done that, some of you have, and you're, you're, you're in your seats now going, oh, no, oh, no. You don't want you to feel bad. You don't need to come and apologize. But just, it's just, that's just one way, one thought. Please, please uh, just do that. And as I'm saying that, think about the way in which you're contacted and the way that you can uh, safeguard and protect as well. Uh, where are we in the notes? I want to touch on three areas which I think we would do really, really well in order to protect our lives and to create space in our lives for rest and recuperation and reflection. And uh, they come from a really great quote that I recently heard by a wonderful church leader called Rick Warren. And they are three things that we are called to divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. I say them again, to divert daily, to withdraw weekly and abandon annually. Divert daily. We do live in a now culture where uh, everything, we're expected to get what we want, when we want, at any given time, as it were. And one of the frustrations is, I'll be honest with you, is sometimes when you ring someone and you go straight through to their voicemail, it's like, man, I rang you because I wanted to speak to you. And you're not even there. And I have to leave a voicemail after the tone and all that. Or maybe you ring that call center and you're put on hold and you have to wait and you have to press this button and that button. It's frustrating because we're used to getting what we want now. And yet that very same principle we would do well to put into our lives. That we take the phone off the hook, as it were, or put it in the drawer or put it on silent or whatever it might be and divert daily. Take time out every single day away from those things so you cannot be contacted and that you can dial in with Jesus. Jesus modeled it brilliantly to us. Some uh, verses from the Gospels. After having healed a man of leprosy, uh, says this, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their illnesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Another example, hearing the news of John the Baptist being beheaded, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. After feeding the 5,000s, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went on a mountainside 
by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Jesus was a busy man. Much was demanded of him. Many demanded his attention. They wanted to hear his teaching. They wanted to see the incredible miracles that he was doing. They wanted a slice of Jesus and they wanted to be around him. They absolutely wanted his attention. And Jesus needed to get away from the hustle and bustle of uh, people. Whilst he was fully God, he was fully human as well. And he needed time out. He needed time to be alone. He needed time to be uh, away. He needed time to be with a father. And he needed time uh, to pray. Often it was a completely solitary place. Often it was a mountaintop, although it doesn't have to be. But it was certainly away. And we would do well to do those very things. Uh, our dear friend Andy, who leads Belfast Vineyard, is a very, very disciplined man in this regard. And I heard him recently talk on this. He says he's an early riser. He deliberately sets the alarm, wakes up an hour before the rest of his household. He goes downstairs. He puts on the kettle. He makes a really good cup of coffee to make things really, really good, as if he's meeting a friend, as if a friend is coming around to spend time with him. He puts on the kettle and makes good coffee. He sits down. He relaxes. He takes out his Bible. He takes out a really nice journal. He really likes his fountain pens for some reason, has a really nice ink fountain pen, and he begins to have the meeting that sets up the rest of the day for him. What a wonderful discipline. What a wonderful way. It is not the way. It is the way that works really, really well for him. And we must find our own times to be deliberate to divert daily, to spend time with Jesus. But it's not easy, sure it's not. My guess is if I was to ask and do a poll amongst the room, how many of us have that daily practice where it's in the diary, my guess is that the whole room would not respond to that. Here's what the Evangelical Alliance surveyed, 1,500 people in 2014, revealed that 90% of Christians do read their Bible regularly. It wasn't necessarily in a set time, in a set period. 87% uh, of people agreed that spending time alone with God on a daily basis was needed. But this is the revealing thing. 42% said that they found it difficult to find time on a regular uh, disciplined basis to read the Bible and to pray. We must be intentional. We must take time out to daily divert and not only to spend time alone with Jesus, but also to make use and time of other parts of the day. So if in your workplace you have a break, it's a set break time or you're, you're permitted to take time out, then take time out. If it is possible, take that time. Take that moment where you would do that. Take your lunch break. Again, if you're entitled to that. I remember um, when I was teaching here at the school, uh, once a week uh, I, would, I would take some time out. I would uh, go for a walk. I would fast that particular day and I would spend my lunch period just walking and just praying once a week. Dive, that's part of the next bit which we're coming on to, the weekly thing. But taking time out of the, the everyday life. Um, one of the things I communicated to our staff recently, um, a number of weeks ago, was that I, I was encouraging them as part of the working day to take 15 minutes of the day out and go for a walk. I just said, go for a walk, do what you want, be it meeting people in the community, uh, going to pray, 
go into prayer just to get some exercise, whatever it is, but take 15 minutes and it's paid, it's part of time, but go do that and make that a daily practice. Um, on uh, the thing of diverting daily, let's take seriously the importance of regular exercise. Um, it might be easy for some people to say that, but for other people, it's not just part and parcel. If you're not the sporty type, but if it is possible, it should be part and parcel of our everyday or our at least a few times during the week, getting some form of exercise. And I used to say this at parents' evenings to, to parents and children of the, the non-sporty type or the sporty challenged, uh, the, the, the children that didn't like sport or didn't like PE, is is find something that you do like, something that you can engage with that brings you alive and that you do enjoy doing. I cannot begin to tell you how important not only the physical elements of it are, but the psychological elements for me personally are too. There are many times, not many, there are an occasional times when I need to get out. And Chantel will uh, uh, say that. You just need to go, get out, you know, go and do something and then come back, I'm a different man. You know, and uh, that's important that we do that. It is important in our diverting daily that if we are married and we have children, that we connect with our spouse and with our children on a daily basis. It's not something, it's like, oh my goodness, um, Friday night's come. <laughs> it's each day that we're carving out those times, that we're making it a deliberate time during bedtimes, during mealtimes especially that we carve that time out. We're called to withdraw weekly. In Exodus 20, the uh, Ten Commandments we find were handed to Moses, were spoken to Moses, which he wrote down, and which are still relevant thousands of years later for us today. God said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor your foreign residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Sabbath implies that it was already given. In that moment in Exodus that it was already given. And yes, it was, because in the very beginning, in Genesis and creation, we learn that it was something that God not only did, he practiced, he modeled, he then passed down to us, that we should, on the seventh day, spend time to rest. The Sabbath day is a 24-hour period of rest from work, a day that involves uh, rest, reflection, and uh, some element where we reflect on ourselves and our reflection comes and is devoted towards God. Sundays are, are the best kind of day. and has been within our culture and society for many, many years. And for many of us who don't have to work Sundays, it still is a very good day to do that. But it's important that we take time out from work, especially for a full 24-hour period. Um, when I was a, uh, in between leaving school at the age of 18, I took a gap year. And I went to Israel as part of that. And I lived on what's called a kibbutz, which is like a, a, a neighborhood of people that work together, live together for the common good of the people there together. 
And uh, my job was working in a date plantation. They had hundreds and hundreds of palm trees. And my job at five o'clock in the morning, get up, I drove a tractor down to this, to where the trees were. And mechanically, we were lifted really high into the trees and we did all sorts of things. And uh, six days we labored, six, six long days. We finished at lunchtime when it got really, really hot. And uh, that was that six days. But there was a period of time when I was there, it was pollination time. And we were expected and we were asked to actually work seven days a week. And, uh, uh, which is a, I kind of find is quite baffling, seeing as I was in Israel at the time, and they were very, very cautious about the Sabbath, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But the team was led by an Englishman, but that, that might explain things. So, so I, was, uh, I was expected to work seven days, and I said, I'm really sorry, mate, but I'm a Christian, and I really think it's important that we have a full day of rest away from things. And they respected that. And so once a week, I got my day off, and I felt sort of slightly bad because the rest of the team went off and still were doing the job. And I'm there thinking, oh, man, I'm Norman No Mates back here. But it was important that I did that. The interesting thing was that on those six days remaining, the team of people that were still going out there every single day, they had commented that my productivity was greater than the rest of them on the days that I worked. And they actually, I think they got to the place where they were thinking, man, this guy does what, what he does in six days, we do in seven days. I was like, that's it. That's it. That's the importance that we do that. And God not only spoke it, but he ordained it. And he said, it's for your good. You must put these things into practice. The Sabbath is for our benefit. It is for the rest of our souls. It is for the rest to find peace. Rest in him. Rest with the people in which we love. God intended it, and it's a blessing. So in that, we must guard against work on that day. We must do what we can to close the door on work on that particular day. And that means, for some of us, being intentional. It means not overstretching your work so that you actually end up finding yourself doing it on those days as well. Especially those of you who are in really high-pressure jobs, especially for those of you who run your own business, uh, that you guard against that and you secure your time. Um, I have a friend of mine uh, back in England called Gary, and he's an incredibly talented um, businessman. Uh, he leads a company um, in England uh, and Scotland and Wales, and I think at some point would like to come across to Ireland as well. He runs a, a number of uh, toy shops. I think he has a, I was looking on the internet this morning, I think it's 123 uh, toy shops right across the nation. And uh, he has toy shops in many of the really, really big shopping centers, which you may have heard of. I think the Bull Ring is that one of them, and Blue Water and other places like that. And um, he, you can Google him, his name's Gary Grant. He leads this company that employs nearly 1,000 people. And uh, one of the things that he felt the Lord say to him when he started his business as just a small little uh, toy shop was that he was not to trade on a Sunday. And he still holds that today. So if you went to the bullring today on a Sunday, you would find every shop open in that massive shopping center except the entertainer toy shop. It will be closed. And he stuck his neck out and he has got flack for it, but he's stood firm to it. This is what I'm choosing. This is what he was sensing God was speaking to him about. And 
he did not want his employees to have to work on a Sunday as well. Now, let's hit pause on that. For some of us, we have to work on a Sunday. It's just part and parcel of it. And it's not necessarily the day of the week that really matters. It's that we do take a day, a week that does really matter. In our withdrawing weekly, it's important that we consider uh, allowing and making space for life-giving relationships. Uh, Chantel is very good at uh, engaging with people, uh, friends uh, that she's made recently to friends that she has had for years and years and years. And she deliberately carves out time to go hang out, go spend time. I see the value in that for her, and I am very good at saying, absolutely, darling, you take that Friday night, go to Belfast and see your mates. Because I see the importance that it is for her to, to not only have the serious conversations about life and how everything's going, but also the fun that she kind of comes back just invigorated by that. And again, we must do that. We must find what it is that brings us alive and spend time deliberately with people that are going to build us up and going to encourage us. For me, and again, I've said this before, I, I, I love getting outdoors and just doing whatever it might be. Sometimes I love doing it on my own. Sometimes I love sharing it with someone else or a group of other people. And Chantel is very good at giving me that time and that space to do that. And now the reason I'm saying that is I think it's really important within a marriage that we do that, that we give each other time and space to, to release them. I remember saying to a colleague of mine who taught here, who had a crazy husband that liked to do lots of crazy uh, things on mountains and all the rest. And I was like, you've got to give your husband wings. Just got to let him go. It's life-giving for him. And she gets it. And I think it's just important that we uh, do that. And then lastly, that we abandon annually. The Jewish nation know how to celebrate. You search through the scriptures, you'll come across the Feast of Booths, or it's sometimes known as Tabernacles. We spoke about that a number of weeks ago in around kind of the harvest time. Uh, Festival of Lights, Passover, Feast of Weeks, many other daily kind of festivals where they take time out, where they celebrate something that's biblical, they celebrate something to do with relationship with God, and often it revolves around food. Food plays a real central part to their celebrations as well. Uh, for us as Christians, uh, we have obviously, we celebrate Christmas and Easter, times of the year where we celebrate the meaning of what happened in those times, and again, a lot of it is centered in around food, it's centered on rest, centered on being together with people that we love, our family and friends. It's a real bonus when we really love our family as well as spending time with them. That was a slight joke and it's slightly missed. I can see a number of you are really dozing off this morning. If you're dozing, just look around you. If someone's kind of droopy eyes, just give them one of those and say, he's coming into land. Promise you, someone's coming. It's time to rest, but it's coming. I can see it in your faces. It's beautiful. Uh, but it's also an indication I'm done, right? And I am circling around the airport. I'm coming. I'm coming. I promise. For some of us um, that get to, and I appreciate what I'm about to say isn't everyone's experience um, due to time and due to finances as well, but for some of us uh, who are fortunate enough to, to take a summer holiday, to be away, you know, make use of that time. We are fortunate enough as a family to be able to do that, and many of you know that we go uh, abroad to get some time away in the sun. 
for us in that season and for many of you, take the time. Abandon ship. Get away. Switch off the phone. Have fun in the sun. That wasn't in the notes, but that's quite good. <laughs> you know, do what it is that brings you alive. Reflect. Rest. And then come back reinvigorated, ready to go again. It's so important that if, if that's not your experience, that we do take time out, away from the hustle and bustle and everything that goes on. I, I really thought that this morning, just as, as I was preparing, that you know, time from out of the norm is so important that we ponder what's happened or happening, that we reflect on things. If our lives are so full, all we're doing is just tending to the now, to the now, to the now, to the now. But we never take time just to kind of reflect and think, goodness, what's just happened there? How, how does that affect me? And it goes back to our whole series on emotional health that we did about looking after ourselves and looking after our souls and just looking out for who we are. There are, there are things that we experience, things that we see, words that are said, conversations that we have that affect us both positively and negatively. And it's important that we dial in with Jesus. We reflect upon those things and we allow him to speak and we allow ourselves time to respond appropriately to that. And unless we do those things, we just carry on the same. And we must, people of God, we must take time out to reflect and to respond to the truth of what Jesus is revealing to us in our lives. We must do that. We must do that for our sake, for our family's sake, and for the people in our lives' sake. Summertime is coming. Next week, we will meet again. It will be briefer. I said I was going to be brief this morning. I lied. I thought I was going to be briefer. Um, it will be briefer next week. Things do trim back. We do that for rest and recuperation. But I encourage you, church, to stay connected. In fact, use that time to connect more with Jesus and still make use of the time to connect with each other. Life-giving relationships that bring you alive intentionally do it. If you're waiting there to be invited around to someone's house, forget it. Be the person to invite someone around. Be the person that invites someone for coffee. Just do that, okay? And then two life groups. If you feel you need to and you want to connect, you need to stay connected relationally with people in the church, there are two good groups. Do that and commit to going and sharing your life with those folks. That would be fantastic. I have come into land. Whew. Right there. Let's stand together. We're not going to worship, but we are going to pray. And we're just going to just spend these minutes that we do have left before we, uh, before we finish formally. We're just going to rest. So in this moment, just do what 
you do. Just to receive. Jesus withdrew to a lonely place where he spent time with a father. And it was in that time, in those moments, where he was able to uh, dust off the, the weariness and the tiredness of the demands of the people, of the demands of his life. So Lord, just come now and just do that. Welcome your presence. Just welcome your presence. And in this moment, God, I pray that you would you would lift off of us the weariness that many of us feel. The burdens that we carry. And if that's you in this moment, I encourage you in your heart just to say, you can have it all, Lord. You choose now. Just give it to him. Let go of it now.